Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Over the last several years, many people, from public officials to social media influencers, have likened the spread of what they deem as misinformation or disinformation, to yelling fire in a crowded theater. That's often the headline. But does the metaphor of shouting fire in a theater really hold up, or is there much more we should be thinking about when it comes to the First Amendment? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, this is one of those we uh, we love to dig into uh, in terms of how the conversations should actually be had in our country. Uh, there was a wonderful article uh, in The Atlantic uh, written by uh, Jeff Kosseff, uh, who is a cybersecurity law professor at the U.S. Naval Academy. He was writing this piece uh, not for the Naval Academy, for himself. Uh, but this piece in The Atlantic about how the metaphor of yelling fire in a crowded theater came to be and why it's not a sound argument against free speech. And he joins us on the line now. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, so let's dive into this a little bit. Uh, and we have, We've all heard the term and the phrase, uh, you know, it's like uh, shouting fire in a crowded theater. And, and often we think, oh, okay, yeah, that makes, it makes sense to everybody. But tell us how this really came about and what it actually has to do with free speech. Yeah, so the phrase originated from a Supreme Court opinion back in 1919 when um, crowded theaters were far more dangerous than they, than they would be today and they didn't have fire exits. Um, and there, it, it was a case involving uh, the head of the U.S. Socialist Party who was convicted in federal court under the Espionage Act for distributing uh, brochures that criticized the military draft as unconstitutional. And uh, so the the Supreme Court unanimously affirmed his conviction, and Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, writing for the court, uh, basically said, you know, there are times when uh, the First Amendment would protect certain speech, but it really depends on the time and circumstances. And then he said the most stringent protection of free speech would not protect a man in falsely shouting fire in a theater and causing a panic. Um, So that's where it comes from. Um, Now, unfortunately, what uh, most of the fire in a crowded theater commentators uh, leave out is that less than a year later, 
uh, Justice Holmes completely reversed his views on free speech and came up with basically the idea that the First Amendment protects the marketplace of ideas. Um, and the Supreme Court eventually rejected his earlier opinion and set a much higher standard for speech that might be dangerous. Uh, so the bottom line is that the First Amendment is not absolute. There are exceptions, but the problem is that those exceptions are very narrow, and we've set a very high bar for good reason. Yeah. Uh, and the, and when people say, well, it's you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, that's really minimizing the very high standards that really set the United States apart from so much of the rest of the world. Yeah, and I think that's so uh, so interesting and so important because it seems more and more that uh, that phrase has really become the way to actually shut down speech uh, or to uh, you know to call out people uh, that you disagree with, uh, and we've even seen even with the social media companies uh, who have a very interesting role in arbitrating what does uh, get uh, what passes muster and and is protected uh, and what they choose to to take down, and I think their inconsistency there. Uh, has actually caused uh, some to really question the whole process. Yeah, so, I, I mean, the, the First Amendment governs state action. So uh, the the government under the First Amendment pretty much could not say Twitter cannot allow Jeff Kossip to tweet. That would be a First Amendment violation, and it would be very difficult to justify a ban on me tweeting. Uh, the First Amendment does not bind the actions of private companies like Twitter and Facebook, as frustrating as it may be, uh, because I, I agree they've been terribly, they've terribly lacked transparency, and uh, there, there have been a lot of decisions that they need to more fully explain. But that's not a First Amendment issue. It's a, it's definitely a speech issue. But, um, but, but the, and, and that's really where some problems arise. Is that um, the, the the platforms, and I'll say the platforms get criticized on both sides. Right, right. Uh, they get criticized from some people for not taking down enough content, and they get criticized from other people for taking down too much content. And that's where the First Amendment, at least theoretically, is supposed to provide a barrier to say, okay, private companies can make these decisions. And if they make the wrong decisions, then people will go to other companies. Now, uh, obviously, the problem now is that some of these large tech platforms are so large that it's not very easy to say, I'm just not going to use Twitter or YouTube or Facebook, right. especially if your livelihood depends on it. Yeah, so fascinating. And and one of the interesting things, and you noted this in your article in The Atlantic, uh, is that often because we have these debates now as to it, is a social media platform taking down too much or not taking down enough, uh, that often the knee-jerk reaction is that the government should be in charge of it. Yeah, and that, that's very scary. Uh, yeah. We do have countries where the government is in charge of, of that. <laughs> We've and, seen that and, movie, and, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's very concerning that we have politicians who are proposing this. And they, I, I, I was on a panel with someone who was advocating this, uh, someone who's uh, on the liberal side, and I'll say I'm just speaking for myself, um, and she said, "And she said, well, we would pass the regulation while Biden's president." And I said, "Well, you know, <laughs> the pre- presidents change, uh, <laughs> and there might be someone who you disagree with who's in charge of speech, and that might not be a wise idea." Um, and it, it's very—I um, I encourage people to think about uh, 
whatever side of the aisle they're on. Think about the politician who you disagree with most, and then think about that politician being in charge of your ability to speak. Mm. And that's a scary situation. Yeah, that's and that's a great that's a great model. We all should think that one through. Uh, I, I love that. Uh, just in our, our last minute here, uh, Jeff, again, it's a powerful piece. We'll post this on our social media uh, so people can read through this at the Atlantic. It's uh, give me one last thing that you think we ought to be thinking about as consumers of of information, as citizens of the country, uh, when it comes to our First Amendment and and uh, how that goes in this very turbulent time. Well, so I don't want to minimize the harm that some really bad information has caused. There is bad yes. information. Um, but I think that part of the idea of the, the, the theory behind the marketplace of ideas is that we have to be better consumers. Mm. We can't rely on the government. We can't rely on the social media companies. We need to be more uh, discerning about what we're reading and educate ourselves more. And I think that's really part of the solution here. Uh, fantastic. Jeff Kossep, uh, a cybersecurity law professor at the United States Naval Academy, uh, author of a forthcoming book, uh, The United States of Anonymous, How the First Amendment Shaped Online Speech. Uh, great stuff. Great insight, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much. Uh, some great, great uh, concepts there from Jeff. And I think the most important was what he said right there at the end uh, is that ultimately this comes down to the marketplace of ideas and we are the consumers. And so it will be up to us uh, to decide. And I love the fact that he pointed to if, if you think that government should control who can say what or who can put out what information, just imagine the political person that you are at odds with or that you are polar opposite to. And just imagine if they were in charge of your free speech. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, We're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.